Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hillary Michelle Post, and I'm very happy today to be joined by both Heather. Hey. And Julie. Hi. All right, folks. So first and foremost, I'm recording this on my phone because I'm about to get hit by a tropical storm and I didn't trust my Wi-Fi. So <laughs> if it sounds goofy, it's because I'm on my phone. Um, but if you're a fan of this show, you're used to shitty audio. So God bless you. Um, today, we will be talking about a brand new film produced by Amazon which is currently streaming. It is a gay romantic comedy based on the smash hit novel by Casey McQuiston. Today's topic is red, white, and royal blue. And here's the thing. (laughs) I've watched this film one time about two or three weeks ago. (laughs) Um, Fortunately, and Heather's in a similar boat. She was, she's seen it once. Um, but Julie has seen it twice and has read the book. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's she's my, time my hero. <laughs> <Julie's> my <dad>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julie, it's which gonna be just enjoy? like the time. It's gonna be like this time we talked about pirates, Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great episode. So, rock on. Um, which did you enjoy more, Julie, the book or the the movie? Um. <sighs> So, okay. So I have, okay. So it took me forever to read this book. Like I bought it like a year ago and because every single person that like I followed on Twitter now, I mean the app formerly known as Twitter, um, (laughs) they, everybody read it and they loved it. And I feel like some of my friends, like, or some of my like mutuals might actually be friends with Casey McQuiston. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, either it's that or like they have like a parasocial relationship with them or something. But um, so everybody I knew read it and I just waited so long. I think I was just like, I didn't buy it. And then I was like in school and I finally bought it. I was like, I'm going to read this in between my like in between my semesters. And I started it. But you might know this about me, but. I'm not crazy about like enemies to lovers. And Mm. so at the time I was like really struggling with like ingesting new content. And so I just kind of put it by the wayside. And now that I have my big girl job and I put, I schedule times for me to read at work into my day. (laughs) um, I was like, okay, I'm going to finally read this book. Cause I had a, I had a student tell me once that they loved it and they, they, they reread it all the time. And so then I finally started rereading it and then I couldn't stop and I couldn't put it down. So I really, really like the book. They are both, they're very different. Mm. Um, like not the overall story, but like there are pieces that are different that like, I kind of like the book way just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's fine. It wasn't necessary for the movie. The movie, I think, is really, really cute. I have a lot of feelings about it. I'm excited for you to hear them all. <laughs> um, Heather, were you familiar at all with the book before you saw the movie? Um, I did know it was a book. And I had, I'm not a big, like, 
romance, like rom com uh Yeah, fair. Reader. So mm-hmm. I kind of ignored it. I think if I would have known it was a queer storyline, I would have picked it up. But um, I didn't know that at all. So I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And I didn't actually really start reading like rom com books until earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree with Julie. Like, I've been reading a lot of Emily Henry books, which are kind of like almost kind of like enemies to lovers. And she was, I heard her, an interview with her of being like, it's really hard to write enemies to lovers because it's like, well, if your enemies, like, you're so different, like, how are you going to be? It's like, how do you make a true enemies to lovers storyline right. if they really are enemies? You know, like, it's complex. Yeah. Oh, and I think that, like, they kind of talk about this in the movie, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but like, they were never really enemies. They were just kind of like, I like you, so I'm just going to be weird kind of vibe. Right. Yeah. Maybe enemies to lovers isn't the right term. Antagonists to lovers. No, I, I think it was intended to seem like they were enemies to yeah, lovers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You were it's, totally, like, correct about that. But, like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That brings me to another question. Do you want me to bring the book next week? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have it. It's on offer, basically. Yeah, especially if you said it's very different. Like, sometimes when I watch a movie first, I'm like, eh, do I want to want read the book now? Because do I know everything? But if there's, like, a lot of different things about it, like, sure, I'd love to read the book. Yeah, a whole last character. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, so something else I want to talk about while we go through the movie is, um, like, romance tropes. Um, yeah. So... Oh, yeah. Once I'm going to go talk about the background a little bit before we get into it, but once we get into the plot, um, feel free to point out any tropes that you recognize for either from other romance movies or from other novels or from fanfic, and we'll kind of talk about our preferences when it comes to tropes, too. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the book before we dive into the movie, um, because this is one of the most successful mainstream queer romance novels that has been published in our lifetime. Um, It was released in the summer of 2019 and made the New York Times bestseller list. It won an Alex Award, which recognizes adult books with special appeal, quote-unquote special appeal for adolescents. Um, It also won two Goodreads Choice Awards for Best Romance and Best Debut. Um, The author, Casey McQuiston, is queer and non-binary and... Uh, they followed up this book with another queer romance titled One Last Stop, uh, which features two. Sorry, I'm sorry to jump in. I've heard that it's better. Oh, yes. I was going to say, I've heard that it's really, really good. It's, it's about two queer women protagonists. Um, and it, actually, there's a point in the movie when um, Henry and Alex are on vacation. Alex is seen reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Their third book, I Kissed Shara Wheeler, I have not heard much about, um, but it also deals with queer themes. When asked why they write queer fiction, Casey replied, quote, for the same reason straight people write straight fiction. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's such a dumb question. I hate when people, people used to ask that of um, one of my favorite authors, Poppy Z. Bright, because he he would always write about queer characters and they would always ask, um, you know why and they're like well because i want to like why the fuck not (laughs) not enough of it so i mean i'm tired of reading stories about like freaking enemies to lovers white people like man and woman like give me more of this totally yeah 
Uh, Casey also has a cameo in the film as the president's speechwriter. Oh! Yeah. I'll get Uh, to that in a minute. Continue. So, after the success of the novel, there was a bidding war for the film rights for... um, for red, white, and royal blue. And in April 2019, Amazon Studios obtained the film rights. The screenplay was adapted by Ted Malawer. However, when director Matthew Lopez was hired in October of 2021, he rewrote the original draft. So the screenwriting credit is listed as both Lopez and Malawer. Uh, this is Matthew Lopez's directorial debut after a very long, successful playwriting career. He has a Tony Award, a Drama League Award, several other accolades for his theater work. Um, and his, if you look at his uh, background in theater, the types of stuff he does, I don't want to say they're heavy, but like they're kind of heavy. So the, the fact that his first foyer into directing was like this really light, I mean, it has heavy themes kind of, but it, for all intents and purposes, it's a rom-com. I thought was very interesting that he chose this as his first film. Uh, Principal photography for the movie began in June of 2022 in the UK and wrapped in August. The world premiere took place at the BFI IMAX Theater in London on July 22nd, 2023, and then was released on Amazon Prime on August 11th. Um, I God, it might have been longer than a couple weeks since I've seen this. Now that I think about it, because I don't think it was out very long when I finally watched it. Um, I remember turning it on, and Mom was in the room. <laughs> and every time I watch a gay movie, she's always just like, she waits. She it, she waits till the moment where she, it reveals that it's gay, and then she's like, oh, <laughs> like oh, this is why she's watching it. <laughs> I was like, well, leave me alone. <laughs> You would know within the first 30 seconds of this movie because when he, the first second of the movie, when Alex turns to Nora and is like, hey, like, are you, you would know, like, right. Oh my God. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't take her long. Yeah. Um, It shouldn't. But like, she could tell from the very beginning vibe that it was like a rom-com and I don't typically watch rom-coms that often. Sure. Yeah. Um, Especially they like they don't really make them anymore. It, not really. Don't, and that is an issue that I would love to talk about at some point in this podcast because they when I would sorry I don't need to get into it now. Don't no, no, it. go for it. Well, like I feel like when I was growing up, there were so many rom coms that I loved them, and like then they just stopped making them, which like w- there was a demand not there. I mean, come on, like there has to be a demand for rom coms, and then I feel like with Crazy Rich Asians. It really kind of like, this is it. This is what I wanted. And I'm like, when I watched that movie, I was like, okay, I want the rom-coms again. I don't care if it's like a similar movie to a movie that's already made, but give it to me with like Indian characters and queer characters and characters like from all over the world. Like quit giving me white ass people, you know, falling in love. It give me like people all over the world and how they fall in love. And like, I really thought it was coming back after Crazy Rich Asians and it really hasn't. And it makes me sad. I'm I'm with you and I agree. However, uh please don't discount Tickets to Paradise. I know they're white people, but goddamn that movie was good. I love that movie. Uh, yes. Yes, I love that movie. Cuz Julia Roberts can make anything beautiful and I love her. So, <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, was... to be honest, there's it's not just rom-coms. I mean, nowadays the only movies that make 
money or that people think will make money are big tentpole action or genre films. Superhero movies, right. Which are the home movies for dudes. Right. Yeah. So it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's every time like a movie that's not one of those comes out and is successful they're like, oh, well, that was, it was just a blip. It was just a coincidence that won't ever. It's just like, no, like there's patterns there. You could, the Crazy Rich Asians was uh, very successful. You know, it's just like, they don't, like, studios don't have faith in them. Tell us there's a market like for not those movies. Right. But here we are. Yeah. I am glad that this movie exists for like today's like queer youth. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's, because it's just nice. It's just nice. And I am glad that Hallmark seems to be on the train. Like, because everyone, like, they keep putting more and more queer characters into their movies. And I'm like, thank God. Like, I I told you guys about this the other night. Like, the, I think it was, like, Notes of Autumn or something. Where it's, like, the holiday where they swap houses. And she, like, falls in love with the dude out where his, her friend lives. And he comes and falls in love with the dude at her, like, that's using her apartment. And it's just so sweet. And I was like, that's all I want. (laughs) I just want people to be happy. Yeah, like, they keep remaking these movies that we've already seen before, and it's like, you can use the same damn movie like The Holiday, but just give me queer character, give me someone yeah. else who's not, like, white people nonsense. As a white person, I'm getting over it. I'm over it. <laughs> totally. Um, Alright, let's dive into the plot. Um, so, the movie, well, the story in general, is about uh, Alex and Henry. Alex uh, Claremont Diaz is the son of Ellen Claremont, who in this universe is the first female president of the United States. This this entire story is uh, 2016 election fan fiction. Absolutely. That's what it is. Basically, That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Prince Henry is the grandson of the King of England in this universe. Um, so the film starts with Alex and his friend Nora attending the wedding of Prince Philip, Henry's older brother and the heir to the throne. Um, Alex and Henry have met previously and do not like each other. We hear them talk about each other. Not positively. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alex proceeds to get a little tipsy. Mm -hmm. And he and Henry get into an altercation. Resulting in the very expensive wedding cake falling on them. How much did they say the cake was cost 75,000 pounds 75,000 pounds <laughs> and charge me that for my wedding cake <laughs> yeah uh, considering we destroyed it on the way to your wedding <laughs> you didn't even have a wedding cake you had cupcakes not the point I'm just saying <laughs> um and it's of course it's ginormous it's like eight feet tall but it falls on them uh like wedding cakes are wont to do in movies like this. Of course. And of course it makes world news, these two idiots covered in cake. Um Ellen is up for re-election soon, and you know, this isn't a good look. So to do damage control, she sends Alex to the UK 
to do a series of interviews and staged public appearances with Henry to give the illusion that they are actually good friends. So not only are we dealing with the trope of like, quote unquote, enemies to lovers, we're also dealing with the trope of like, fake relationship, fake friendship type thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Where yes. two people are forced into a situation where they have to pretend to be closer than they actually are. That's a pretty regular trope. Yeah, and I, which I love. I do have a I have a note here because okay, I need you to understand. Here, the, uh, let me get it out of the way so you can just yell at me. The guy playing Alex is three thousand years old. <laughs> oh so old. no, he's not. Thirty one. Alex is supposed to be twenty two. I don't think he reads. I don't think he reads as thirty one. Do you, Heather? No, no, I okay, never. Okay, well. I think maybe I watched it too close coming off of the book because Alex is so young in the book. He's just, he's young. And then the other thing is, is the guy, Taylor, whatever his name is, he's very hot. I, it's not, I'm not saying he's not hot. I'm just saying he's old. And <laughs> sorry, it, it's the crazy. Well, he's younger sorry. than us. He's younger than us, but he's 3,000 years old. Anyways, <laughs> the other guy's not young either. He was born in 94. Like, Yeah, he's he's great value Macaulay Culkin. I'll get to it. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, I have a lot of feelings. I told you, I watched it too close to finishing the book. Like, I literally finished the book, and then I went and watched the movie. So, the other thing is, is that when Alex is, like, standing in the Oval Office talking to his mother... He, like, first of all, he makes, I think he makes the cake catastrophe joke, and it was really funny. But also, he is wrong. Like, they have him in, like, dark jeans and a leather jacket. Absolutely not. This motherfucker is polo and chinos. Like, he, <laughs> he's polo and chinos! And so I'm just like, okay. I was like, I get it, but, like, that's not... <sighs> not who Alex is it's fine it's fine my other gripe right off the bat like we just have to get it out of the way now um they cut an entire character from the entire movie which is his sister June he has an older sister June and it kind of doesn't make sense that they cut June and kept Nora because the whole reason that we needed Nora they also cut Hmm. so it's weird Maybe they're they're like, eh, too many sisters because Henry has a sister too. Yeah, I know, but that would be another that would be a way for them to bond. Mm, because point. they both have sisters and they both understand. Um, so I mean, maybe they just didn't want to deal with it and then when like, they didn't have to use Nora for her literal purpose. Um, and they just kept her for whatever reason. Like they just kept her because he needed a friend. Really? But mm-hmm purpose like she was his ally at the end but like she didn't really serve a purpose on that no thing. okay uh, so <laughs> it's it's too early to talk <laughs> but like they also cut another character like alex his whole thing like he worked on his mom's campaign the first time around but he also worked on the campaign of an openly gay senator named rafael luna from Colorado who's an independent senator and Rafael Luna betrays them in the book and goes to work on Richards's campaign and so like he basically destroys Richards campaign from the inside and like leaks out information to Nora who is like a hacker and like a statistical genius and that's how they like 
win the election is that they like expose Richards from the inside. But like, that's Nora's <laughs> purpose. So you can see how that's a little that would make the movie a little cluttered, don't you think? I yeah, that so they just they leave out Raphael Luna for fuck the Politico guy. Like he's new, he's not he's not in the book. But that's what I'm saying though. If that be the case, you can cut Nora out and leave June in because June, her whole thing is that she's trying to be a writer, but she's trying to stay out of the whole like campaign thing. They could have used it another way, but I guess it was easier to just cut June and leave Nora, but not for her intended purpose. Hmm. I don't know. See, Les, I told you I have a lot of feelings. Sorry, okay. I got sidetracked. So, let me address some of the bajillion things that we just ran through. Okay. Okay. First and foremost, polos and chinos, we have to, first of all, American cinematic language, you can't have a hot Latino guy, Latino guy and not put him in, like, jeans and leather. I guess, but I mean, he's also half white. <laughs> yeah, but that's not, so? <laughs> Obama's half white and we still refer to him as the, our first black president, like, you know what I'm saying? I guess. And you need a bigger juxtaposition between an English prince. So, of course, cinematically, you got to make him, like, cooler. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like... Second of, all, second of all, he does not look like Macaulay Culkin. He looks like Cord Overstreet. No, he looks yes. like young Macaulay Culkin. He looks like Cord Overstreet. Actually, honestly, he looks like a generic white guy. Um, well, yeah, like, that too. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> remember when I bitched about Cord's name for like I don't know how long in that one that entire episode? <laughs> it, you know what? It was uh, it that was valid. <laughs> that was a great episode. <laughs> I love that episode. Um, yes. Um, well, we'll get more into it when we actually get to that point in the plot. I'll address some other things that you had said, but. I know. I'm sorry. I kind of went off on a tangent because that was it's it bothered. It doesn't bother me. I just <sighs> fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so um, we see like a whole montage of Alex and Henry talking to the press and faking being close friends, and you know, while they're doing it, they're also kind of like needling each other. Each other. Oh my um, God, you're wearing lifts. <laughs> Forgot I about that. I, I, I know. I caught it the second time around, and I was like, "Alex is dumb as hell because he doesn't realize his kid's gay, his gay as the day is long." Yeah, but he's also British, so it's kind of hard. To... Mm, okay, is he gay or European? Exactly. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm horrible. Um, but I'm not wrong. Um, so. At one of their photo ops, where are they at the hospital or at they at the school? When the security thing happens, that's at the hospital. Okay, so there's a security scare, and the two of them get shoved into a supply closet together for safety. Mm -hmm. Another trope: forced proximity. Mm -hmm. Um. So while they're cramped together, Alex reveals. That he has resented Henry since Henry was very cold towards him the first time they met. Um, and Henry explains that the reason he was so standoffish is because he was still mourning his father's recent death. And so he apologizes for having been cold. Um, and so they make amends 
and swap phone numbers. And we get this whole montage of them like texting all the time. And I really like how, and they become really close, but I like how they filmed it where it was like, because filming people talking over text or over the computer can be really dumb, <laughs> depending on how yeah, you do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but they made it so it was like, I as if they really were liked together. it. I really yeah. like that. Like that whole, like the whole texting and then like the call with the turkey. I really like that. Um, so before I move on to the New Year's Eve party, anything else you want to talk about within that? Yes, I do. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, two things, well, three things, two things. Um, first off, Amy is a trans woman, the security guard, the the secret service agent. Hmm. She's a trans woman. Love her. And, and a lesbian. Love her. Um, I just sorry. That's a detail. Wait, the from- actress or the character? The character. Oh, okay. Yeah, the character is a trans woman. Um, just because I thought you needed to know that. Yeah. Um. So the unfortunate part about this being an Amazon production is that they have to change things because of copyright and because they're Amazon. So like, I assume like they change like the they meet the first time they meet like they meet at like some conference or something. It, they met at the Olympics, and then, which is neither here nor there, but I just assumed they couldn't use the term Olympics without, like, paying for it. Do you know what I mean? Because the Olympics are greedy. I would see the, I could see them, like, making you pay for it for referencing it. Does that make sense? And then the other thing is at the hospital, um, you know, when Alex sees Henry talking to the little girl, and he, mm-hmm. like, kind of makes a face, like, mm-hmm. He overhears part of their conversation and they're talking about Star Wars. And so I have a feeling that they also had to leave out a lot of the Star Wars talk, too, just because Disney. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a big part, too, like where they like they tease each other about who's who's Han and who's Leia. <laughs> and it's really cute. And like, I'm, I think there's a mural painted at some point. Like of them as as Han Solo and oh my god, (laughs) like it's like a thing. Like they, it's like a thing. Like they mention it several times. They also cut out all of the references to Harry Potter. So my novel has the Harry Potter references. I've heard it's been republished without those references. Yes, that is true. I have that in my notes later on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So but my my copy has all of the Harry Potter references in it still. Um, which it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like there was, I mean, there's like a lot of Star Wars in there. Like they, they, he teases them over his favorite, like Star Wars movie and all that. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. We don't need that. It it would clutter up the film. I'm just, I just wanted to talk about it. (laughs) Um, how do you guys feel about that trope of forced proximity? I love it. There's only one bed. Oh, uh, I God. Like Classic. Classic. Um, so, are we ready to move on to the New Year's Eve party? Yes. Okay. So, Alex throws a big New Year's Eve bash. I think it's at the White House, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And Henry attends. And at midnight, well, right before midnight, there's... Is it Get Low? 
that's playing. <laughs> it's, oh, it's some, skeet, skeet, motherfucker. It, I don't know. It's some song that people get low for because there's a shot where everyone else that's on the dance floor is like crouching down. It's uh, the, from the window to the wall song. That's it. So get low. That's what yeah, get low is. Sure, so. sure. Okay. Yoli, you sound so old. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, it's I am there. old. <laughs> that song's from our generation, though. Yes. <laughs> Um, but there's this great shot where everyone else that's on the dance floor is down, crouched down, and the only people that are standing are Henry and Alex, and they like make eye contact from across the dance floor. It's very Romeo and Juliet. Um, and then at midnight, a bunch of girls kiss Alex, and Henry is clearly jealous. Um, <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I just got a message from Lacey. I she was asleep because she works midnight now, and I sent her a screen cap of our conversation from earlier. She just messaged me, and all it said was "fuck them kids." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but Henry's clearly jealous, and he storms off. And when Alex follows him, Henry kisses him. Like he like kisses him. That's a kiss. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the hands in the hair. Oh, my God. It was a good kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite on-screen kiss of all time. Go. Oh. Oh. Film and television. Oh. There's, only, there's only one right answer. I mean, the first thing I thought of was Pretty Woman, but I don't think that's the right answer. The correct answer is Nick and Jess. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Their first kiss yes, is the yes. best kiss ever put my on celluloid. Oh my yeah. god, yes, 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 yes. I take everything back. I'm going to wake up my <laughs> child because I am screaming right now. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Oh my god, 100%. You are correct. Yep. Oh, man. Nick Miller. Um... Nick Miller, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a totally an aside, but like I just watched an interview with Jay Johnson being like, Nick Miller was supposed to be like the smartest man in the room and just be like, you guys are idiots all the time. And he was like, I got bored of that and I just couldn't play it. And so they just wrote Nick as like what Nick became. And I'm like, that's hmm. amazing. I saw I saw that interview too. That was really funny. It was. It is funny rewatching New Girl and watching them evolve. Um, and then he said, and that also said in the interview that Winston was supposed to be the alpha, and they like then they hired um, Lamar, and they were like, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, no, he likes puzzles and sings to his cat. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the next day, Henry ignores Alex's attempts to get in touch with him, much to Alex's confusion, considering he just fucking laid one on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alex confides in Nora. And realizes that he is attracted to Henry. And he admits to Nora that he's been with men before, right? He does, but that's not... He does. Yeah. I'm not going to be pedantic about it anymore. Because I (laughs) I can't. I can't be like... I can't live this lifestyle. (laughs) Three hours later, Julie's like, and in this one scene. <laughs> no, she's yeah. got the book out with like I, tabs and. I'm actually <laughs> mad at him bringing it upstairs with me. Um, but 
Yeah, so in the book, he didn't realize that he was into dudes, except for that he, like, kept giving some kid in high school handies, so I don't know who he thinks he is. Sure, so, like, Alex. He's, he's dumb as bricks. Um, like, the reporter doesn't, the reporter doesn't exist in the book. Um, he doesn't serve a purpose there, because he, like, it happens a different way. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, because he's like he's surprised that he was into it. Like he's very stupid. <laughs> he's like, what am I into dudes? What's the probability that I'm bisexual? <laughs> Turns out pretty good there, Alex. <laughs> Most sure. people are. Um. So, at a presidential dinner that Henry attends, Alex flips the script. And kisses Henry. And they're like. Make it out in this room. The red room. And someone bursts in on him. Oh my god. I love that part too. Like Amy walks in. And they break (laughs) apart. And then Henry like pretends like he's looking at the books on the shelf. And it's so (laughs) funny. Alex is like playing with the flowers. (laughs) A flower arrangement on a table. Like oh. Oh my god. Oh. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to stay at least 500 feet away from me. And then at midnight, you're going to come to the second floor of the residence. And I am going to do very bad things to you. Okay. We need to talk about this immediately. Here's Uh another trick. Alex is all talk. Because he promises I'm going to do all these dirty things to to Uh you, Henry. And what happens? An unreciprocated blowjob. Uh-huh. Yeah. Alex, you're an idiot. <laughs> okay, but I'm pretty sure that he, in the book, he gives the blowjob. Because he talks about being, he talks about it and he not not doing it or not having it as much practice or something. Like, there is, like, because there's, like, a part in the book where he tells him, he's like, yeah, you should probably go back to your room at this point. And I'm just like, oh, Henry's going to be sad. But, like, it. I'm pretty sure that he does actually give him a blowjob in the in the novel. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to be this way. <laughs> no, that's good. It makes Alex look Yeah, well, because he get he no, because the thing is it, it's from Alex's point of view. And so he talks about like being concerned that it's not enthusiastic enough or whatever. But he is enthusiastic. And also ugh, it's just I okay no I'll talk about it later because I think about this too hard go ahead sorry um you don't have to go into detail by any means but like how explicit is the book um it's not super explicit it's more like it's I guess I would call it a fade to black without fading to black does that make sense like it just kind of glosses over it but it's not explicit explicit okay um so after uh, in the movie, at least, Henry clearly goes down on Alex. They're talking, and they discuss their sexualities. Alex realizes that he is bisexual, and Henry <laughs> explains that he is gay. Um, and they start a secret little friends with benefits relationship. Another trope. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love. Love that trope. Um, and. So at this point, the only people who know are Nora, 
Henry's sister Beatrice, Henry's best friend Percy, and their like bodyguards and shit. Mm, right? Well, I guess yeah, I would say Amy knows, but Zara doesn't, obviously. Um Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that I would say that Sean has to know. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm drinking vodka, so I'm getting burpy. Oh, I was gonna do that. I forgot. <laughs> mm. Okay, so a character that doesn't exist in the book, um, whose name I don't even remember. He's a journalist. Oh, yeah. The Politico guy. Oh, he's not um, in the book. Okay. No, no, he's not in the book. Peanut Peanut is in my room eating something off the floor. Oh god. Uh, it's a, a miracle this cat's still alive. Hey, no. Stop. He's pulling on the cord. He's going to pull the, my fan clear off of my my dresser and land on his head and squish him. Quit. Oh my god. I don't uh, wait until Benji gets up and walking. Because <laughs> that's what it feels mm-hmm. like having this kitten. Oh. Anyway. Um, so there's this journalist that Alex had fooled around with. Um, and he is like casually talking to Alex, but he kind of weasels out of him. His plans to flip Texas for his mom. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. And like Alex wrote, like uh, he wrote up a whole thing. Yeah. So, oh God, I can't remember his name, but he got a hold of Alex's Texas memo. Um, and so he's like, how did you get a hold of this? He's like, that's my job. Do you want to comment on it? But he, Alex is so digmatized by Henry. He fucks up like so bad, which he would, he would never, I'm sorry. Um, he just wouldn't, but yeah. Um, when Alex's plans get published by this journalist, Alex and Ellen end up arguing, mm-hmm. um, by the way, we did mention Ellen, played by Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. Love her. And I, I have very little to contribute to this podcast, but I will say that Uma Thurman's southern accent drove me fucking insane. Yeah, it's awful. Did it. <laughs> I just... I like I'm, her. I hated it. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, she eventually agrees to send Alex to Texas to enlist his help. Um, so he goes to Texas and does whatever it is he does. Um, then, <laughs> um, then during a trip to New York for the Democratic National Convention. Mm-hmm. Well, here we go. Let's give the floor to Julie because she's, <laughs> she's been wanting <laughs> to talk about this. For okay. A while. Yeah. okay, so first off, um, he doesn't get go to Texas. That doesn't happen in the book. But they do go to the Democratic National Convention, and there something happens. It it's something within the campaign, it hits, and her opponent, Richards, like gets one up on her or something. And so Alex is like having a bad time at the DNC and Henry just happened to be in the city because his friend Percy had some sort of like charitable like thing going on. And so he shows up in this hotel that's crawling with reporters and then they go upstairs and 
Is this before? This isn't before Paris, is it? Uh, what happens in Paris? I don't remember. They fucked in Paris. Oh, I thought they fucked it here. After. No, they fucked in Paris first, though. This is after. Oh, it, after no. Paris. Wait a minute. Yeah, because they because they 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 go okay. So they start, they do the blowjog of the thing, and then they do the sucky-sucky at the polo match, which is a logistical nightmare, and then they go to Paris, or that Paris is right after that, and they fuck, and sex scenes in movies are good, actually, because that literally made my heart flutter. I don't know what it is, it was like the most beautiful missionary TV fuck scene I've ever seen, and it was (laughs) honestly just fucking beautiful. Like, I don't know what it was about that, and about how, like... Great value, Macaulay Culkin, uh, Cordover Street, whatever you want to call him. Like, his face in that scene was so perfect to me. And it was good. Sex scenes in movies are good, actually. And prudes on the internet should shut the fuck up forever. Um, Can I just, for continuity's sake, say that Paris is um, happened before what we were talking about? Because I have it playing in the background on mute. And Paris has already happened, and he's in Texas. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but then, but, but because whatever blow that they were dealt in, in that, in that moment, which I honestly think it was Raphael Luna in the book, but I'm not going to get into that right now. It's it's too late. Anyways, Henry shows up like an idiot because he's dumb as hell and he wants to comfort his like fucking suck partner. And so then they get caught by Zara and that's bad. But this in the movie is when they get caught by the journalist that Alex used to mess around with. Like, not caught, but he's just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Two and two together, and that comes into play later. I want, while we're talking about love scenes, I want to share this anecdote that I found um, when I was doing research and trivia and stuff. I just thought this was funny. According to director Matthew Lopez, several weeks into the production, star Taylor Zachar Perez, who plays Alex, inquired about whether or not he should shave his lower body for an upcoming nude scene by meeting with Lopez in his trailer with makeup butt designer Karen Hartley acting as a mediator. He went in, lowered his pants, asking Lopez to, quote, look at his ass. (laughs) And Lopez responded, you're fine, you're fine, you look great, (laughs) before following it up with, Taylor, yeah, just bring your hairy butt to set. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the idea of Taylor being like, shush your ass. <laughs> so I was, I was a little wrong. This is like, it's all the journalist kind of starts to piece it together at the same, like next scene is when Zara comes in and mm-hmm. yeah. So that all happens kind of in the same like scene and scene, which just Zara, as by a, the way, yes. FYI is the white house deputy chief of staff. Yes, and also played by the same woman that played Danny Reese in 2007 through 2009's Life, starring Damian Lewis. Thank oh you. Oh my God! Thank that's you. That's how I know her. Yep, Thank that's you. how you know her. Okay. She was also in some other shit, but this that was the most important because I was very obsessed with that in 2007. Yeah, same. Um. Wait, we didn't watch, but we didn't watch it in 2007. We didn't watch it until like 2011. No, we watched it in 2008 because I was living in, we were living in Castle Grayskull in Athens. We watched Life then? Uh-huh. 
Oh, I didn't watch Life until after college. Okay, well, I watched it because that was when I was like in the my glory days of like Easy Academy and Band of Brothers. Yeah, like the that the I was watching everything that had Damian Lewis and Ron Livingston in it to my detriment. I'm sure. (laughs) I don't think. In my brain, I was like, how did Hillary not watch it? We all lived together. And then I sometimes forget Hillary did not tend to (laughs) (laughs) In fact, in fact, Heather, do you remember that Hillary walked out on our first viewing of Band of Brothers? Because it is a little slow in the beginning. And she left. And we didn't tell her that we went back to the library to rent the rest of it. So we could binge watch it. You make it sound like I was like, fuck this. And like, I had shit to do. Like, I had to go. Like, I... (laughs) Right. I didn't know there. <laughs> said this is the most boring thing on earth and then you left. I had shit to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what Heather and I did after it was done? We went to the fucking gas station and bought Lucky Strikes Jade Smoke. Well, hey, we made it. We're fine, probably. <laughs> All right. Oh, so. Uh, I- Remember, I'll never forget Heather and I just like literally walking through the house like zombies, like sobbing. <laughs> I won't either. Like that was a long day. <laughs> the last time that we sobbed that hard. No. Look at you catching fire. <laughs> yep. Uh okay, so um let's see. Oh, so Zara finding out leads uh, Alex to come out to his mom. Yes. I love this scene. Yes. It is good. It's so cute. Um, um, she does make him a PowerPoint in the book. <laughs> yeah, she has a line that's like, if I had time, I would make a PowerPoint. But yeah, she does make one in the book, doesn't she? She does. I think I read that somewhere. In fact, yes, yeah, she does make him a PowerPoint. I love it. She's like, we're going to need a pizza. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's a thing, too. Like... His sister gets really pissed with him a lot in the book about him missing, like, family dinners and stuff. Um, which, fair. Like, you know, like, you live in, you you were uprooted from your, like, working class Texan lifestyle and you live in the White House. So, you need to have a family dinner every once in a while. Yeah. I just love how much Zara freaks out about it. Like... Um, she she also utters the phrase "little Lord Fuckleroy." <laughs> like some of the turns of phrase in this movie are so good; they're so funny. <laughs> they sound like shit we would say to each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's. I think that's also something I really enjoy. <laughs> so, um, Alex invites Henry to his family vacation home in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another difference too right in the film Alex's parents are still together but in the book they're divorced right yeah they're divorced his mom has a whole ass husband named Leo Jeez. Leo erasure oh my goodness a second marriage for the first female president yeah yeah. yeah I no. think they were married before she even ran oh if you want to talk about inaccuracies the fact that that bitch carried Texas but not fucking Minnesota eat my shorts <laughs> like <laughs> Absolutely not. No way on God's green does she carry Texas and not Minnesota. Ugh. Sorry. Somebody me never mind. I'm I gotta go. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> Julie just beeps out of the conversation. She's like, where uh, 
I just keep thinking of that meme from <laughs> from Grey's Anatomy of Sandra O crying in bed. She's like, somebody said date me. Like, that's Julie. She gets, <laughs> she gets all wound up about something in the book and she's like, somebody said date me. Pretty much. So, all right. So they're in Texas. Mm-hmm. They go swimming. And while they're swimming, Alex tries to tell Henry that he loves him. But Henry knows what he's going to say, and he panics, and he takes off. Because he's the Prince of England, and he can't be in love with a boy. He's very, he's very, very emotional, and I do feel for him. Yeah. And so what's he do? He ghosts him! That's what I have in my notes. He ghosts, he ghosts Alex. He's like, I'm go. He's like, I'm white, I'm going ghost. <laughs> Um, and Alex, to his credit, fucking just fucking flies to London. Mm-hmm. Um, to well, with, before that, though, we get the big reveal, which is that Zara and Sean are in a relationship, and they agreed not to use their personal devices for work stuff, but sh- she thought this was an emergency. That does Wait, that doesn't happen until after the emails are hacked. Oh, well, he d- did he fly there already? He goes to London. Okay. And Henry and Henry admits that he loves Alex too. Okay. But he can't be in a relationship because of the status as a royal. Oh yeah, you're and right. Alex, Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Right, and they like decide to be in a relationship quietly, and then. Um, oh yeah, well, because act. yeah, because Alex is an idiot who takes his boyfriend to the fucking Albert and Victoria Museum and smooches him in front of all of the cameras in the world. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Um, he's an idiot. God but yeah, after their emails get hacked and released to the press, and now everyone knows, um, as damage control, the White House and the palace both try to keep the boys from contacting each other, and that's when Zara that's when she, yeah, that's when she yeah. and then we find out that Zara and Sean are in a relationship. Yeah, or they've been boning at the very least. Um, so Alex flies back to London and. King James III, Henry's grandfather, played by Stephen Fry, who is, like, one of the most famous British gay actors in the world. So it's funny that he's playing this character. Mm-hmm. Um, he summons the boys to a meeting. My note here is, why is Philip there? Fuck you, Philip. <laughs> Philip is the worst. Like, yeah. B has to, B runs a lot of interference with Philip in, in the novel. And also, in the novel... Um, it's it's the queen like she's it's a it's a it's a grandma not a grandpa i don't know why that needed to be changed for this so that people wouldn't be like oh it's elizabeth blah blah blah. well yeah well they changed his name too like i the name is something different in the book and then they changed it to hanover stewart which is like i mean yeah hanover stewart is definitely one of like the royalty lines but i don't know it's fine i'm again i'm just being me <laughs> but also, no, they were like, yeah, let's get Stephen Fry in this movie. Like, we're going <laughs> to let him smoke a cigarette on screen, even though no one smokes in movies anymore. <laughs> and now Julie gets on her soapbox. Smoking in the films is good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> haven't you seen Titanic? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually. That that was something primal. That was deep. That was. <laughs> I just pictured. Does he Leonardo see Romeo and Juliet too? Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's hot as fuck. So, yeah. well, uh, oh my god, no, John Leguizamo in Romeo and Juliet is chill Prince of Cats. Please, making movies is good actually. Oh boy, I'm warm. <laughs> um, <laughs> how are you doing over there, Heather? You good? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> just checking in <laughs> thank you um so the king tells the boys he's like i read your emails and i believe that you guys are actually in love and that's very sweet and everything but you can't be together because blah 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 um however beatrice points out that a crowd has gathered in front of the palace as well as across the country in support of the boys being in love um they're all, you know, <laughs> shipping them, I guess. They make um, t-shirt. They make t-shirts that say history, huh? <laughs> I I feel I don't know. Do you think something like that would ever happen? No. Okay, I do <laughs> want to interject here. Again, minimal contribution to this podcast, but um there is a reason why he is the second son. Like if you were the first son, like, oh, hell no. They would never let him be gay. Mm, oh, yeah. You know what? That's fair. That's that's fair. I thought about that. I was like, well, he had to be the second son because, I mean. The, yeah, the heir can't, the heir can't be gay, but. Yeah, of course not. He wouldn't be the first gay English king. I'm looking at you, James. Ow! No, but he wouldn't allow to be outwardly gay. No, right. but if you could. <laughs> If you commission a translation of the Bible, you can do anything you want. <laughs> I'm just saying. So Alex and Henry step out on the balcony and greet the public. They're adoring fans. And they officially present themselves as a couple. And then on election night, Henry flies to the U.S. to be with Alex. Um, Alex's plan successfully helped flip Texas for his mom, leading to his mother's re-election. And that's the end of the movie. And they live happily ever after. Apparently at the end of the credits, there's a short scene from the moment the cake falls on Alex and mm-hmm. Henry, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't see that part. I just, I saw it the second time around. It's, it's not anything, but it's, it's cute. They're just like, I don't know. I think he, Alex says something witty and Henry glares at him because deep down inside, he is like super attracted to this freaking boy. And he's like wigging out being next to him, which I personally love if I'm thinking about it just a little too hard. (laughs) So we mentioned this earlier, but um, on October 11th, 2022, a collector's edition was released with an alternate cover and a new chapter written from Henry's perspective. Oh, multiple, really? references, mm-hmm, multiple references to Harry Potter were removed from newer editions of the novel, which the Mary Sue writer Alyssa Shotwell wrote was, quote, likely due to the quadrupling down on transphobic <laughs> activism by author J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Um, a line in the story regarding the conflict in Israel was also changed in the newer editions. Oh. Um, 
In the bonus chapter of the collector's edition, it is revealed that in the years following the book, Alex and Henry are still living happily together with Alex pursuing a law degree and Henry mm-hmm. continuing his prior work as a philanthropist and preemptively abdicating his place in the British line of succession. So he, not only is it like he doesn't have to worry about it anyway, just in case Philip does croak, he's like, nope, I'm good. I'm out. Um the two also plan a small private wedding while a possible romance between Nora and June is also teased. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, see, because Nora was so, like, he even references it in the book where he does it. He's like, I don't know what her deal is. Like, they may have, I think they might have dated at one point, but they were not together. Or, like, you know what I mean? It was never, like, a thing. Like, he, I feel like he kind of teases or references that she might even be asexual. But good. Good for her in June, honestly. So that's one part, too, that, like, so you said that Casey McQuiston um, is, like, the speechwriter there at the end. And so, like, in in the novel, June is, like, trying to become a writer. And so she has, like, a job with, like, the Washington Post or something. Like, it's just, like, she just writes puff pieces. Like, no one will take her seriously as a journalist. And, like, Ellen invites both Alex and June to work on her campaign. And June June declines. She doesn't want to work on the campaign because she's like, once I do this type of thing, like, I can never go out and never be just, like, an unbiased journalist. And so she, like, absolutely refuses and she writes the speech that um, Alex gives about, like, about him and Henry. She writes that for him um, when everybody finds out about them. But also, at the end, like, I think her mom asks if she'll write her concession speech. And she, like, blows up on her. And she's like, I am not writing your concession speech because you are not conceding. Anyways, I just really like June and I don't understand why they cut her out of the film. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I get it. I understand what you said. It would be cluttered. Like, it's not necessary. But I feel like that would have fit very easily in there, if that makes any sort of sense. Like, I think that, because the other thing is, is there's a lot of stuff with June, too, that, like, I don't know, I think doesn't not have a place in the film. But it's, again, neither here nor there. And I understand that films and books are never the same. Yeah. That's another thing, too. Sorry. Uh, They cut out Henry's mom. Um. And, like, so a whole, like, part of his whole emo-ness is because his mom basically abandons him because she's so depressed because her husband died. And so, like, she is partially what, like, changes the the queen's mind is that she is, like, coming in and being, like, a badass bitch. And Henry gets his mom back, which is nice. But, oh. again, like you said, cluttery. <laughs> Um, Amazon reported that the film became the number one movie globally and one of Prime's top three most watched romantic comedies. Yeah, because it's fucking good. Yeah. Gina, who's a, a producer a on this? Hold on. It has 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not terrible for a queer movie. No, it's, no, it's probably from a bunch of pedants like me being bitches about it. <laughs> Um, or a bunch of homophobic uh, douchebag film critics who are like, boo. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry what them. were you saying about the producer? Yeah. Oh, one of the producers is Greg Berlanti. Who is? Oh, um, so he's been involved in a lot of stuff. I want to say that he was in, like, I don't know, he's gay, and that's why it's good. 
because he's good. No, cool. he's married to he's married to Robbie Rogers, who was a, a soccer player, and they have beautiful babies together. But he does a lot of he does produce he did like the Rock Hudson documentary that's on Max. Oh, okay. But no, he's done like a lot of shit that we've seen. Like seriously, I'm gonna I'm. Before we close, while Julie's looking that up, can I just bring something maybe weird to the table, but I'll bring it back. (laughs) Go for it. Okay, so have you seen the TikTok trend of asking a male partner if they think about the Roman Empire how often? Yes. (laughs) And a lot of men are like, oh my god, all the time. Well, first off, I asked my husband that, and he was like, never? What the (laughs) So my intern and I were talking, and she was like, okay, what is the female equivalent of the Roman Empire? Any thoughts? Ex-best friends. Um... (laughs) <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that TikTok that said ex best friends. I pause it. It's the Salem witch trials. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's A good. lot of people have also been um, saying the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, but I don't know if that's true. I do think about it frequently. I've been thinking about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire because I just read that book, The Invited, that Heather let Heather and Bruce lent to me. Um, <laughs> and there's a, there's a fire in that, and I was like, oh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire. Okay, so our, our, like, what we decided on, my intern and I, is the royal family. Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah. Like, I I mean, not just, like, the current royal family. Like, I think about Victoria and Elizabeth a lot, like, more than I should. (laughs) Oh, you know what? That's fair, because I did go through a huge Plantagenet, like, hyper-focus this summer, so, yes, you were correct. Yeah, I, I went through, like, the whole thing, like, Henry to, like, like Henry the First to Henry the Young King to Richard, the Lionheart. Ugh, don't even get me started. I mean, Elizabeth was like, no, thank you, I'm just married to England. Like, rock on, was, girl. She's a like, badass bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, okay, yes. So, in my mind, that's how I brought it back to this. The royal family is the female equivalent to... I'm, you know what? I'm with you. Uh, Hillary, he is a series produ- executive producer on Riverdale. Oh. oh, yeah. I looked him up. He was um, Sab- The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Dawson's Creek, mm-hmm. Everwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loved Everwood. Um, the Green yeah, Lantern. Everwood on DVD, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I remember that from Castle Grayskull, of you of yeah. seeing that in your... Um. So yeah, uh, I apologize for not rewatching this before we did this, but I feel like we, thanks to Julie, <laughs> we I thought it would have been three hours if we had something to say. <laughs> I'm really sorry. No, I, I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I like. I really. I listen. I I'm gonna say this. I think the book is worth a read. I I really enjoyed it. Like when I finished it, I was like, God, this is exactly what I want to read. I want to read more like this. Yeah. So at this point, I guess what I need to do is go find one last stop and read it. Yeah. So a plug. Oh my goodness. I can't remember the name of the book. Oh my goodness. But it's a Christmas book that I just read. And it was kind of like we, it was two women who had like this awesome Christmas Eve night together And then, like, they lost touch. And then, um, so this girl is going to, one of the girls that was in the um, 
the great night with the other girl. She goes to Christmas acting as this guy's partner. And it turns out to be the brother of the girl. She had this great, like one night stand with, uh, it's like maybe kiss her once for me or something. It is an amazing, cute rom-com Christmassy thing. And I can let you borrow it when you come next week. And it is so cute and so good. It sounds really I'm, cute. I'm actually planning to bring things that are Heather's back to her next week. <laughs> I'm going to br- I'm bringing you back your books. And I'll give you more books because that's what I love to do. That's my love language. I build three days a week into my schedule where I get to read for 15 minutes a time, six times a day. You know, (laughs) one of my old interns said that she did the same thing and she's been reading so much more and like the kids are really enjoying reading too. So like, that's awesome. I I finished three books and three audio books in the last month. That's amazing. Did you finish Practical Magic or no? Yes, I finished it last weekend. It was great. Yeah. I really liked it. It was so different, like not in a, in a way I didn't expect. Yeah, definitely. But um but good. Like it was good. The, the movie's better, but like the book was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um uh, don't let me forget I have um earrings for you too. Oh, oh yeah. Um I the book, I'm not going to say the title on the podcast cuz I don't want to like I don't want to be a, a dick about it and put it on blast, but the book I'm reading right now is so bad and it's so funny. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like the main character is like, not like other girls, you know, she's like, she's a badass and she's <laughs> different. Cool. Um, but at one point she yells at a tree cause it's like a fantasy thing. So like, I guess it, this tree moves in a way that kind of like, rats her out of how she, where she's hiding from this monster and she calls the the tree a dick-faced cum splat oh. <laughs> i was like wow okay <laughs> i was like that's what i'm in store for <laughs> i mean it's not words i haven't said before but <laughs> i can honestly say that i had never read nor said the word cum splat before, but now I'm probably going to be circulating in my vernacular now. I'm reading The End of Men about a virus that kills men, and it is amazing. Like, in, on so many levels. So good. <laughs> I started The House by the Cerulean Sea today. Oh, I loved that book. Yeah, it, like, I'm in, like, the second chapter, maybe the first chapter still, so I haven't got very far in it, because I wasn't, I wasn't able to read a lot today, because I had other things to do. I was was trying to be a good teacher. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's cool. It's really not my, my typical vibe, but, like, I, like, went into a bookstore, like, a local bookstore, and I was like, pick a book for me, and she was like, this is a big gay hug, and I was like, that is exactly what I need right now, and (laughs) I bought that book and then Julie is borrowing it right now. And it is, it's very fantasy, which is not typically me, but it is so cute. Yeah. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. On book I, I, since this has turned into a book podcast, I'm like trying to get to a bookstore because I really want to buy Into the Wild by John Krakauer because I've read two Krakauer novels and I loved them. I so there's no way. Do you? Can I borrow it? Yep, I'll get it for you as soon as we're done. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> now I don't have to buy it. Yeah. Um, that and then that means I still need to get to a bookstore because I really want to read the novel version of Howl's Moving Castle. 
um, uh, because yeah. I've watched it 735,000 times now, and I just want to read the book to see how different it is. What is the book? Howl's Moving Castle. Oh. Um, there's a Studio Ghibli movie uh, that I really like. Um, well, it's, it's Howl's Moving Castle, but there's a novel, and I feel like I should read it. I'll set all books for you. Yay! <laughs> I love Wedge. I was looking to see if there were any, like, cute little bookstores in Point Pleasant, since we yeah. won't be in the area. And the only thing that came up was a comic book store and a place called Willa's Bible Bookstore. I'm like, mm, I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, Willa. I bet, you, I, can, I bet you could get an old, reliable copy of the King James Version there. <laughs> I'm all set. <laughs> I hope it, like I hope there's like a little gift shop or some shit. I want to buy something. I want to buy some like Mothman earrings or something. Oh, oh yeah, man. I I went to the um website for the museum to just like check on times and stuff like that, and like they have a huge store. Oh great. Oh yeah. Uh, well, any final thoughts on books or this movie or anything? Books are good, actually. <laughs> Reading's fun, kids. I'm trying. I'm trying. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll here's eat. my final thought. Okay. Um, no, I got a thought. I got thoughts. We got to talk about how I'm in my Jane Austen era now. Please, why is this happening to me now? Like, <laughs> don't know. Jane Austen Autumn. Yeah, Jane Austen Autumn. Um, I listened to Pride and Prejudice because I have a very long drive for work. And I loved it. I listened to Sensibility and I loved it. And everybody was like, you're going to love Persuasion even more. Didn't love it as much. It's fine. It's good. I just not. That book. What, Persuasion? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, the concept is great. I love it. I like, a, I like a slow burn, but he's just such a dick. And I'm just like, ugh. So, I don't know. I'm going to try to listen to Northanger Abbey, but I can't say that I'll like it. Hmm. That's that was my final thought about Jane Austen on them. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Heather? No, I'm picking up books for Julie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final thought is this. I'll leave you with this. Um, I love this quote by John Waters, and I stand by it. He said, "When you go home with somebody, if they don't have any books, don't fuck them." Remember that, kids. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They don't have a book. That's good. Don't yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you guys want to support the podcast, you can. I don't even know how it works anymore because the website I use to upload these has changed so much. I don't even know if I still have a support link. But if I do, then click there. <laughs> if you really want to help the podcast, the real way to help is to share with your friends and followers you know repost my links retweet my tweets and just help spread the word we can grow our audience thank you to julie and heather for joining me thank you thank you to julie and heather thanks. for joining me <laughs> i was waiting on heather thanks for having me i was waiting on you <laughs> thanks for letting me take over your podcast and be pedantic about the book we love you, Julie. <laughs> and until next time, we are the weirdos, mister.